So um, we're still in James. Some of you are like, oh God. We're still in James and, and James is like, he's just, he's just tell it like it is. And I've told you that every week. I, I told first service, if, um, if, you, if you're coming this week, we're just walking through James. I'm, I'm not, uh, it may sound, I may be preaching to the choir this week, but we're just going through scripture. Sometimes we need a reinforcement of that. Is that all right? And so um, we're going through James and James today is going to talk about, like if you have faith, good things should come out of that faith. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that in James chapter two, but I need to preface it with this. There's a long-standing controversy about this portion of scripture because James talks about faith without works is dead. And that's, we're going to kind of get into that today. Like if you say you have faith, but you don't do anything, that, that might be evidence that you don't really have faith. The issue with that statement is that Paul, the apostle who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, wrote to the Ephesians and said, works can't save you. So you're like, oh man, what am I supposed to do with that? Paul writes in Ephesians two that you're not saved by anything that you do. You're saved by faith in Christ alone. And if Ephesians two, at the beginning of that chapter, he says, he says, it is by grace that you're saved, not of yourselves. It's not by works unless you would start boasting about that. So you've heard me say that a bunch in here. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by faith in Christ. James is coming along. Are you ready for this? Saying, if the faith in you doesn't produce something, then I'm not sure you have faith. And he will make some statements in this section of scripture that we're going to look at that sound contradictory to what Paul is saying. Matter of fact, this has been, this has been going on a long time. Martin Luther, who tacked on the 99 theses, had a problem with this to his deathbed, reconciling these two portions of scripture. So in light of that, I'm not saying I got it all figured out. Here's what I am saying. The deeper you look into scripture, the less contradictions there are. Did you hear that? That's why I tell you every week, don't, don't just read a verse a day. Now, now a verse a day, I'm not saying that's bad, but it, it, I probably need three or four or 5,000 calories to survive every, every day. What do you think? Is that excessive? Some of you know that 2,500 of that comes from Oreos and Lucky Charms, but that's another issue. Did you know you could get Lucky Charm marshmallows without the cereal? just saw that in the grocery store yesterday. I thought, I know we're not supposed to think about heaven on earth, but I think it just happened. How can it get better than this? Where was I? If it takes a human being 2,500 calories to live and you get up every morning and eat a Snickers bar and think you're going to make it, you're going to be malnourished. Amen. So scripture is the same way. The least, the, 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 the less we look into it, the more contradictions seem to come out of it. Well, it says this one verse, but it says this in another verse. And the problem is if you only read the surface, if you only read a verse a day, all you're going to look at is contradictions. But if you dig into it, you'll find out that those contradictions were just on the surface. 
when you dig into it, you find out there really isn't any. That's like on the surface, it may look like parts of my life are a contradiction. Well, if you dig in, they may still be there, but but the more you find out about people, the, the less contradictions there are. And so we want to do that with scripture. You've heard people say, well, I don't read the Bible. It contradicts itself. The ver- that very statement tells me you don't read the Bible. So we're going to look at a long-term contradiction here with are you saved by faith or works or how does it, what does that look like? It sounds like they're contradicting each other. So you ready? Stand to your feet for the reading of the word. We're going to read James chapter two, verses 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also by itself, if it does not have works, if faith by itself does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? He says, good for you. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? Now, I told you James is a little brutal. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham loved, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Father, we thank you for this today. God, we pray because we looked into this, you change how we think, you change what we believe, and then you change what we do. Help us to live out our faith in a way that everybody sees that we have it. We pray that that, that, that alone would bring you glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. So the first thing I want to point out here is that Paul and James were writing to two different groups of people. Um, Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's addressing the idea that you can't work your way into salvation. You hear me say that all the time. We quote Ephesians all the time. That faith doesn't come by what you do, but it comes by your, your faith in Christ, that Jesus was God, Emmanuel, God with us, that he came to the earth that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God sends Jesus. Jesus lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, resurrects. We have faith that Jesus was who he said he was and that he can save us. And the Bible says we are saved. If you are faithful, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. So we are saved. 
Paul is writing to a group of people emphasizing the fact that you can't be saved by what you do. We're on the same page. That you working enough, giving enough, doing enough of the right things, that outside of faith in Christ cannot get you to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven only by the blood of Jesus. Amen? All right, Paul is addressing that when he writes to the Ephesians. James is actually addressing a different thing. James is writing to Jewish believers that just believe they can sit around and say, well, I believe. And James says, do you now? So James is actually addressing the exact opposite of what Paul's addressing. Paul's addressing people who are trying to work themselves into heaven. James is trying to address people who think they can just believe and not do anything about it. It's kind of like, well, who's your favorite sports team? Well, the Washington Nationals. Well, do you have a t-shirt? No. You got a hat? No. You ever been to a game? No. You ever watched a game on TV? No. You're a huge fan. Now, I'm a fan of whoever's winning. I know some of you diehard people with stickers on your bumpers hate me, but it's easier that way. I don't get let down as much as you do. When they win two years in a row, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I don't have to change hats. <laughs> James starts it out with a couple questions. This whole premise, this idea that he's constructing, starting in verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? And can that faith save him? What good is it? We're going to start out with that right there. What good is it? What good is it? I think every Christian should ask themselves that periodically. What good is it? James starts his argument out. He says, what good is it if you say you have faith, but nothing is produced by that faith? What good is that? Starting out. And is that a faith that can actually save you? Mm. He likes to stir the pot. James asks these two questions to start this, this whole topic. Now, remember that James had just wrapped up his thoughts on prefer, preferential treatment. We talked about that last week. He said, when, when a rich guy comes into your meeting and you set him in the front seat and then a poor guy with shabby clothes on, you make him sit at your feet. That's not how the gospel works. That's not faith. That's not, that's not loving people the way Christ loved people. And we talked about that last week. And, but if you go back further than that, he's talking about trials and how faith works out in your trials. And you start to see this kind of theme where he's saying, listen, this is what it looks like. 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 And how do you know what faith looks like? What, how do you know what faith looks like is when people live it out. Amen. So now he gets to verse chapter two, verse 14. And he says, Hey, there's some of you that are saying that you don't have to do anything. There were some pious Jews who, who just thought, well, I, I say the right, I, I can tell people that I have faith in God and that somebody else can do the changing. Because after all, all I have to do is have faith. Now, in our modern day deal, I don't know where you fall in line with this, but the word of faith preachers and the, and the name it, claim it, all that stuff, it's almost like all I have to do is just believe it and wink my eyes. Like, I, anybody remember I Dream a Genie? Didn't she do? 
James is saying, I don't believe that. I don't believe you can just sit around and say you have faith. James is actually saying, I don't believe that faith is just this thing that you can't touch or feel or that's just like, like you conjure it up. No, he's saying, if you say you have faith, the evidence of that is what you do. It's not what you say you think. It's what you think that causes you to. produce anything, what good is that at all? And he's telling them throughout the beginning of James, don't have preferential treatment. What is that? That's walking out your faith. He's saying, he's saying when you're in a trial, don't freak out. Be joyous in the middle of a trial. What's that? That my attitude in the middle of a trial is a result of my faith. So what I am doing is still proving out what I believe. Amen? So James is not really changing his train of thought here. It's just this one after another after another he is talking about. This is the way we should live. And when we live this way, it proves things out. You remember he said, you have to be careful. If you you got to look intently at the word of God and it will change you because if not, it's like a man. Do you remember what he said? We talk, we've been talking about it every week. It's like somebody looking in the mirror and, f- and walking away and forgetting who they are. So he's, he's still on it. If you walk away and you say you have faith and you walk away and don't do anything, that faith doesn't produce anything in you, then I'm going to question whether it's real. You can't just proclaim that you believe and then not do anything about it. So we should occasionally ask ourselves a question. What good is it? Ask yourself the last month, what good has my faith been? What good is it? The internalization of scripture should absolutely change us when we look intently into the word. It always changes us. God's grace and mercy should change us every time. And, and here's the way I start thinking about this. Um, anybody, anybody dating in here? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm looking at you. I pick on married people all the time. Anybody, anybody dating or want to date or anything like that? Watch this. Ladies, listen up. Listen up. I'm going to tell you how you know you should ditch a man in 30 seconds. Everybody listening? Okay, watch this. If you start getting close and he starts saying stuff like, hey man, you know, you know, I, I hunt a lot and I fish a lot and I got my boys I hang out with a lot and he starts acting like that's how he's going to keep doing it after you get married, just shut it off now. Any married women want to give me some help there? Shut it off now. Shut it off now. Because, because a relationship changes you. Now, gentlemen, listen to me. Don't shoot me yet. I didn't say you couldn't go fishing. I didn't say you couldn't go hunting. Ladies, listen, he's going to go fishing and hunting. What I'm saying is, is that I had this idea when I first got married that she's just coming along with me. 
I thought we could have an understanding that we could be together, but I could still get to do whatever I want. Wouldn't that be the perfect marriage? Wow. Wow. But here's what I found out. When we got into a relationship, it ended up changing me. Because it was a real relationship. Amen? Not because, listen to me, not because she was, she was like, oh, no, you won't. No, no, no. But because I loved her. You see where I'm going with that? I willfully, sometimes willfully, changed because I loved her. I changed because I wanted her to know I loved her. I changed because I wanted her to know this relationship was real. Now, watch this. You have, this is where Paul and, and James are saying the same thing. Watch this. James is saying, after you get into the relationship, you should be changed. Paul is saying, you can't change before you get into the relationship. <laughs> oh, so watch this. I didn't change when we first met. She liked me the way I was. Yeah. Huh? Is that true? So I remember uh, we both worked at the Bonton. I don't know if you remember that story back then. All of you are chuckling like, man, that was like 30 years ago. Almost. It's getting close. I used to put on more cologne. It was crazy. Every time I walked by the free cologne counter, just like a fire extinguisher. They said they could smell me from the back from receiving. Evidently, she loved it. Loved it. That's my man. All the way in the back. <laughs> she didn't have to do anything. I loved her. Didn't have to change at all. I loved her just the way she was. But when we got into the relationship, guess what happened? We had to change. Because when we were just dating, I could still do whatever. I, I, I still wasn't a big deal. We got married. We started having kids. Are you going to dump me with three kids and go fishing? No, I wasn't even thinking about that. No, wasn't even thinking about that. You see where I'm going with that? Paul says, you can't be saved by works. She didn't love me because I was doing anything different. She loved me because of who I was at the beginning. James says that faith has to change you then. After you get in the relationship, that faith has to change you into something else. Once we got it, I am way different 24 years later than I will eat onions now. Forget it. That's proof right there that I love her. If you're in a dating relationship and nothing in your life has changed, it's probably not a very deep relationship. If, you're if you've been married three years and nothing has changed, it's probably not that deep. If you've been married 30 years and nothing has changed, both of you are dead. <laughs> it would be absurd to sell, tell someone you love them with all your heart but not adjust your lifestyle to accommodate them. 
The love is proven out. Not only what you say, but what you do as well. I can't just tell my wife I love her every day and ignore her all day. I can't wake up in the morning and say, I love you, you're beautiful, and then ignore her the rest of the day and say, hey, I told you this morning. It should be enough. Go on fishing. So James says, what good is it? If you claim to have faith, if you claim to have this relationship with the creator, and yet it's not changed anything in you, what good is that faith? What good is that relationship? The relationship hasn't changed you at all. So he says, what good is it? And then he says, this is what it's not. And he gives us an example. He follows it up. I'll show you. I'll show you what I'm talking about. This is what it's not. Verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So watch, watch what he's saying. You're in Walmart. If I'm in Walmart, I'm buying Oreos. Um, Somebody walks up to you now and they say, hey man. You say, hey, how you doing? Oh, chipper. And they say, it's not going well. Lost my job. Not sure about the house. I just don't know what to do. What James says they say next is like, it was a blessing at that time. That's how they would bless people when they left. The very phrase he says, go in peace. They would say that when they departed each other. Go in peace. It was almost as if the guy didn't hear anything they said. Go in peace, be warm and well fed. I just told you, I just told you I couldn't even buy food. I just told you that I didn't have clothes to wear. I just told you that I lost my job and and I don't don't know about our house. I, I just told, hey man, blessings. We'll be praying for you. You know, God provided for me. It's crazy. James is saying, if you can walk away from that. Come on. We're just reading through James. Don't hate the messenger. He said, if you can just walk away, say, hey, we'll pray for you. You'll look back at this in 10 years and be nothing. Trust me. He said, if you can walk away from that and say, be, war- be blessed, go in peace, be warm and well fed. We'll pray for you. Now I've got to go get my Oreos. He said, that's not faith. I don't care. Now, can I dig into that a little bit? Because here's what I think happens. How many of you have already planned out how your money is going to be spent? Come on. No one here? All right, well, I got a couple ideas for you. No, no, most all of us have a plan. And even if you don't have it written down, you do the same thing every week. So whether you have it written down or not, that's the plan. Amen? So we spend our money the way we spend our money. Here's the problem. 
When people need something, they didn't really call you about your spending plan. They didn't say, hey, could you work me in in two months and and work it into your budget that in two months I'm going to lose my job and I need you to help me in two months. And we're going to run into each other at Walmart and you're going to ask me how I'm doing. As soon as I start talking, you're going to wish you had never asked. That's not the way it works, is it? Because just like you, I have already planned what I'm going to spend that money on. And I'm getting ready to go on a fishing trip. And I'm ordering fishing equipment. There's 26 other guys here who should say amen about that. Give me some support. You're catching the stinky eye over here. So I've already planned. What happens is I bump into somebody that says, hey, I, I, I need help. And so you know what runs through my mind? Can I just be transparent with you? What runs through my mind is, Lord, if I take what I had already planned to spend and I give it to them, then I'm not going to have that. Oh, I'm the only one. You're going to leave me hanging out there like that. I'm the only one thinks that way. All of you are full of faith. You're just like, Lord, I know you provide a boatload of fishing equipment. If I just help these people, you think the same way I do. Uh, Listen, I already planned on that. God would surely not ask me to not spend the money on the fishing trip. That's not what he's asking. No, no, no. What is he asking? He's asking me to step out in faith and believe that the money I have could help them and that he can provide through me for them and then he could provide for me. Amen? So James is saying, when you bump into somebody like that and you have the opportunity and the, and the means by which to do it and you say, be blessed, stay warm and well fed and just walk away and go get the Oreos. He said, I'm going to question how much faith you have. Mm. Mm. Lord. Oh, that's right. Paul said, that's right. I forget now. Paul said that if we're generous on all occasions, then the God who has everything will bless us in abundance so that we can then continue to be generous on all occasions, providing everything we need. Paul also wrote that. So every time we get in this circumstance, I start thinking, God, here's the opportunity to prove that I believe that. I believe I'm saved. I believe everything in scripture is real. And so here's the opportunity for me to believe, to, to prove out that I believe that. And James says, when you do that, it proves how much faith you have in him. So he said, you know what it's not? It's not just saying, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Shoot. I'll pray for you. We'll just lay hands on you and pray for you right now. And your tummy's going to be full and a parka's going to pop on you. Just be warm and fuzzy. James is saying, go buy him groceries and take your jacket off and give it to him. And then I'll believe your faith. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes we try to lead people to Jesus by only telling them we have faith and not showing it. And they go, hmm, I'm still hungry. Hmm, I'm still cold. Hmm, I still don't have a place to live. Eh, I'm glad that Jesus thing worked out for you. 
looks like it's fine in your life. James is saying, you can't prove your faith out like that. People ain't going to believe it. He's saying, matter of fact, I'm your pastor and I don't believe it. So he says, it doesn't look like this. But thanks to God. Well, let's not run away from that too fast. He makes a statement in chapter eight or verse 18. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Good for you. I'm glad you believe in the one true God. He says, even demons believe that. You know what the difference is? Demons believe that God is real, but it never changes them. Now, I know some of your kids used to be demons. That's not what he's talking about. (laughs) Some of you used to be demons. That's not what he's talking about. Watch as Gallup did a survey. They started surveying people and they, they looked into how they asked the question. They asked the question, do you believe in God? In 2017, 87% of people said yes. You think, man, that's awesome. We're still a Christian nation. That's, a, that's good. How many people believe in God? If that's the only question you ask, 87% of people say yes. Wow, that makes us feel good. Yeah, that's awesome. If you go down further in the poll... Once you get to the place where they say, which comes closest to describing you? Are you convinced that God exists? Do you think that God probably exists, but you have a little doubt? Third question, do you think God probably exists, but you have a lot of doubt? Fourth, you think God probably does not exist, but you're not sure, or you are convinced that God does exist. So now once you give people the choice, only 64% believe he's real. Now, you know what my, they didn't ask this question, but my inkling is if you then ask the question, do you believe in him enough to change what you do? That number of people on the bottom. James is saying, look, if you believe that God is real, good for you. Just believing there's a God doesn't change anybody. Most of the people that you walk around believe there's a God. But that doesn't prove out that there's any faith in their life. That doesn't prove out that they've been saved from their sins, been forgiven. That doesn't prove anything. He said the only way you're going to see that is by what they do. Amen? And so he makes this statement. Also, you believe in God? Good for you. Demons believe in God and shudder. They have a life-changing experience. They don't have anything to show for it. They believe God is real. Of course they do. Anybody with a Peanut for a brain believes God is real. He says the problem is that's not life changing, just believing in something. I believe in the tooth fairy. I'm not going to blow it. So he said, This is what it's not. It's not just belief. It's not just saying you have faith and walking away from people in need. But then he says, This is what it is. Verse 20, do you want to? Do you want to be shown? I told you he's a little brutal. You foolish person that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled as Abraham believed in God. 
and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. And in the same way, he was also, he was not, was not also the Rahab, the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers that sent them out by another way. So James says, you want an example of, of faith, of how faith is proven out by your works? He says, Abraham and Rahab. <laughs> of all the people in the Old Testament, he picks the father of the Jewish nation and a prostitute. <laughs> it's a good illustration. It works on Sunday morning. Genesis 22, 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham! He said, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. James is saying, you know how you knew Abraham had faith in God? Because he would do anything he told him. He said, I know Abraham had more faith in God than 99% of the people walking around this planet. Not because he just said he did, but because what he did proved out. That he had faith. Then Joshua chapter 2 verse 4. Joshua sent spies into Jericho to figure out about the city. And of all people, God picked a prostitute. Does that scramble some of your all's brains? Like you just want God to pick, like pick your neighbor. Like he's a good guy. God's always picking people we don't think are worthy. Amen? He picked us. Mm. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know. I don't know which way they went. Go after them. You may catch up with them. Verse six, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax. She laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, listen to this. You want to talk about faith transforming somebody. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water at the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and the earth below. A prostitute in Jericho had enough faith that God was real, that she would hide spies from Israel and then lie about where they went. It was life-transforming faith that caused her to do something different. James is saying, this is what faith looks like. Faith looks like when you receive it, you do something about it. Amen? Rahab believed that God was real to the point that she risked her own life to help these strangers. That faith changed what she did. All right, this last thing. 
going to wrap it up. Remember, we got this controversy. James saying, you can't have faith without works. And Paul saying, you can't get to heaven with works. My thing is, you can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. The band's going to come up. Why don't, why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. You can't have one without the other. It's like a hand and a glove. It's like a, they fit. James is saying, in order to even do this good stuff, you have to have faith. But you can't have faith without doing the good stuff. Paul is saying, you can't get to God through just what you do. And it does sound a little, a little tug of war, but, but we left something. I think we stopped at Ephesians 2.9. Could you, could you guys put that up? 2.8, start in 2.8. Ephesians 2.8, start there. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. Stop. Remember, we, we said this earlier. Paul says, it's absolutely nothing you did. Somebody say amen about that. Look at your wife and say, you love me because I'm me. And I loved you because you're you. But since we've been together so long, I sure am glad you've changed. So watch this. <laughs> Some of you are like, still waiting. We're going to get there. <laughs> Ephesians 2 eight. So for grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Go to verse 9. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Don't you dare brag about it. God saved you. God pulled you up the old hymn out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock. He delivered you. He set you free. You were, you were bound for destruction and bound for judgment apart from him. And Paul said, he's the one that lifted you up and you have nothing to brag about. James is not contradicting that. But if you read eight and nine, you'll think you could just sit down and go, hey, he saved me. I'm good. I'm good. But one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Ephesians 2.10. So you got to read 8, 9, and 10. And then there is no contradiction with James. So watch what happens. For we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. Creating Christ Jesus to do. Oh, oh, oh. dang. I was just going to sit over here and be the faith person. I got faith that God's going to heal you. I got faith that God's going to provide. No, he says, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them can't have one without the other even Paul said you couldn't have one without the other he said you come to saving faith through the grace of Jesus that's the only way you can get there but once you get there he has planned out from the foundation of the world the good works that you will perform after you believe in him so watch this when you run into somebody at Walmart and you'd already planned to spend that money on Oreos and they came to you and said they couldn't afford their electric bill and you said oh man I got a whole basket full of Oreos I'm going to do with this this is him planning it out so you look at you have to look at every encounter now as the good work that he planned out in advance for you to do how are you going to prove your faith? He said he's going to give you a chance all the time. He said he prepared in advance for you to be able to do good works. So what I constantly have to remind myself is this is not an inconvenience for me. This is a chance for me to complete what God set me on the earth to do. Amen? 
This is not, oh my goodness, they're calling again. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Oh, we were planning on doing this and planning on doing that. No, God knew you were planning on it, but he planned on this. And what he planned on was for you to do the good thing and then watch how he takes care of you. Because Paul also wrote that he would never let you go without as long as you were continually generous. As long as you'd step up to the plate and do the good works that he planned for you to do, James says it'll prove out everything that you believe. And by the way, it'll prove to everyone else that Jesus is real. So when we walk out these doors and we say, man, Jesus saved me. better go along with that. He saved me. And we bumped into each other. And that was on purpose. So I'm not going to just tell you I have faith. I'm going to show you. I'm not going to just tell you I believe that Jesus can do everything. I'm going to show you. Because right now he planned to do it through me. Amen. I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning and you're a good choir. But this is life-changing material. This is community-changing material. This is country-changing material. That if the church realized that what he was calling us to accomplish, <laughs> which I'll prove my faith out every time. I'm, just, I'm not even going to say I have faith. Just watch it. And let people around us, without even telling them, See how good he is. Amen. Come on, let's pray that way. Father, we thank you today. You've been so good to us. You have indeed saved us, God. Through nothing we could do on our own. But that salvation has called us to a great thing. It's called us to a great work. And Lord, this relationship is changing us minute by minute. And we pray, Lord, that we'd live this thing out in a way that nobody would ever question. That we'd never have to say. That we'd never have to defend ourselves. But they'd see, they'd see how much of you is in us on a daily basis. We ask you once again to change us today, Lord. Keep our mind fixed on you. And Lord, when those good works pop up in front of us that you have already prepared, we pray that we, we do them without even questioning, proving what we believe. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, give him praise and honor this morning. He's good. Amen. Hey, listen, encourage somebody as you leave and look for those things all week this week. And we'll see you back here next week.